Welcome to the Revelation Bible Study. You are listening to The Last Days Ministry from WGM Church. Before we start off today's message, let us begin with the words from Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion, and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hope you all have been peaceful uh, over the past week. I hope those who continue to read, hear, and keep the word today will hold on to the hope ahead, overcome the world with faith, and overcome pain and difficulties by studying the words of the prophecy that the blessed Lord himself gave to the Apostle John. What historical things have happened to the church so far in terms of the types of churches we live in? Through these, what is the condition of the church in our day today? We are hearing what lessons the Lord gives those of us who are living just before His coming. Last week, we heard about the sixth church, the Church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia Church is where no one is condemned, that has an open door and many evangelists spread the gospel to the whole world and brought great blessings. Historically, this church existed between 1500 and 1900 AD. There are churches that preach the gospel by following this church today. I'll read Revelation chapter 3 verse 12 about the Church of Philadelphia. And after studying a little more, we will move on to the last church, the Church of Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Now how blessed are these words. Whosoever comes, overcomes to the end, 
will become a pillar in the temple of God and write the name of God and the name of God's city on that person, the name of New Jerusalem. What a great blessing this is. Why? In the age of grace, the children of God who are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and are born again of the Holy Spirit go to prepare the eternal world, New Jerusalem, as our Lord said in John chapter 14. He said that my father's house had many mansions. This is the New Jerusalem. Now back in the old days, Abraham looking forward to a city with a new foundation. Although he physically received the promised land of Palestine, he was not satisfied with it, and while he was living in that land, the Bible says that he looked forward to the new coming Jerusalem. Soon, when the Lord comes, we will see the new Jerusalem at the end of the tribulation. If we do not live in that hope, like Abraham, like many of our fathers of faith, and like these Philadelphia church members, we will be deceived. Because of the world's lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, we are deceived by the devil and become discouraged by meaningless things, and we end up living hopelessly. We must never lose this hope by waking up and praying. The Christians during this time were called Protestants because during this era their biblical Christian faith had reached its peak as they were rising against Roman Catholicism. Back in those days without the Bible, according to the law of the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope's words were above the Bible. However, true Christians believed in the Bible and biblical Christianity reached its highest point. After that, from 1900 onward, we can see the churches gradually entering into apostasy and converting into which is known as the Laodicean Church, which is practically absorbed into the Roman Catholic Church. Meanwhile, the Church of Philadelphia of this time was said to be the church with an open door. God opened the door. He opened the door of evangelism, of the gospel, and of the rapture. When God opens, no one can close, and when He closes, no one can open. Through this church approved by God, they were able to catch many fishes through the open door of the gospel. The Lord said to Peter, I will make you fishers of men. A soul is more precious than the world, but if you catch one, you will lead that person out of the world from the devil unto our Lord. It's greater than standing on top of the world. May not know now, but the soul winner will find out later when the Lord comes. This is the reward from the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this was a time when many great preachers, evangelists, and missionaries were shining. Also in year 1611, during the reign of King James, this church translated the first Reformation Bible, the German Bible, into English, and it became what is known today the Authorized Version. 
having many of this Bible published worldwide, England was blessed as a country where the sun never sets. During this time, Martin Luther translated the German Bible, which is also called the Luther Bible. We learned last time that these two Bibles, Martin Luther's German Bible and the English King James Bible, spread all across the world for about 400 years. Various blessings were poured out into this world. Through the Industrial and Agricultural Revolution, many useful inventions and advancements were created for the mankind. Many people came out of the Roman Catholic Church and were born again of the Holy Spirit. Starting with Martin Luther, a series of figures separated from Catholicism. Such event that shook the nation to its core for God took place between 1500 and 1600. It remains the same today. Anyone who goes out with the gospel shakes the heavens and the earth wherever they go. Back when Apostle Paul preached the gospel with Barnabas, they were known as the ones who turned the world upside down. Why? When they proclaimed Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, all the kings and rulers of the time went insane and hated hearing about it. People didn't want to hear about it as they were living just fine under the rule of the Roman Empire of that time. Also at the time, people like Zwingli and John Calvin began to teach the Word of God. People were forbidden to even have a Bible during these dark ages. When they killed just having a Bible, they cut ties with the Pope completely and preached anti-celibacy. Celibacy. God's will is to be fruitful and multiply. Also famous preachers such as John Wesley, George Whitfield, and Jonathan Edwards appeared. John Wesley prayed for two to three hours a day. They especially preached, You must be born of the Holy Spirit, repent, and return to Jesus. At the same time, when preaching outdoors, there was a history of persecutors who shot them with the pistol, who attempted to shoot them with pistol, but rather the pistol exploded and the shooter was killed. When Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon on hell, the listeners, hearing his sermon, was holding tight onto the pillars of the building, trying not to fall into hell. While he was preaching, there was a scene where they screamed as hell fire was right before their eyes. They were begging for their lives not to fall into hell. Jonathan Edwards wasn't yelling while he's preaching. He was calmly reading the scriptures. Such work happened when he slowly read the words of God with faith. Human words Human persuasive words, inflammatory words, charismatic words in today's language. These words may shake or move the human heart just a little, but it won't do any good spiritually. Only the Word of God, the Spirit, can shake and move people's hearts to realize that they are sinners so that they can repent 
and accomplish the work of believing and receiving Jesus Christ. Revival took place especially through Charles Finney, Spurgeon, Dwight L. Moody, and R.A. Torre. It is hard to find such revival these days. What really happened to this generation? This generation needs to realize that it has passed the Philadelphia church age and is deeply immersed in the corrupt church just before the coming of the Lord. God gives new grace to those who realize and repent. The Apostle Paul said unto the Ephesian church members, Ephesians 5.14, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Arise and shine forth. As the Lord spoke uh, through Isaiah even today, we need to wake up and shine the light of the gospel into the world and the church that are like the dead. The father of orphans, like George Mueller, as we know him, well, by faith he raised many orphans. He didn't ask for handouts to people when he had nothing. Even with nothing to eat, he had hundreds of orphans lay down their napkins, knives, and forks and offered prayers of thanksgiving. And just then a bread truck overturned and all the bread inside spilled out, making them unsellable. So the bread was brought to the orphans, and the children ate the bread right after they gave prayers of thanks. We also know this true to, uh, this to be a true story. Now let's move on to the last, the seventh church. It is the current generation where we live in, and we must understand it through the word of God. God's word is light. It lights the darkness lights up our souls. It lights our churches and shines the world in which we live. The Church of Laodicea began just after year 1900 and spans until the coming of the Lord. Laodicea means civil rights, not God's rights, but of the people's rights. This is the last church before the rapture. Now if we look back at the churches, the church in Ephesus and the church in Smyrna had passion, but their love turned cold. The church of Pergamus and Thyatira were spiritually ruined, totally ruined. But the churches of Sardis and Philadelphia were again zealous and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Finally, the church in Laodicea, it is totally destroyed once again. History repeats itself. How should we conduct ourselves on the wheel of history? We live in the age of church that is perishing. Please don't settle in your current spiritual state. But rather, I hope that you will be the ones who listen to the word of God and wake up. Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. As mentioned earlier, this age is characterized by human civil rights against the Word of God. This is the last church age where the authority of God's Word has been lost. What do you guys think? 
What kind of conversations do you have at church, at your local church, or when you hold meetings or planning? What comes up most often? You'll mostly likely hear a lot of, well, I think, or we think, instead of the Bible says. We've reached the point when those who say yes to God's word are criticized and as fanatical believers and considered to be outdated. As this generation lead the churches with human wisdom and ideas rather than the word of God, it is heartbreaking for God to see the churches. Lawsuits are taken out to the world judicial systems. Now, the beginning of the creation of God, back in verse fourteen. By misunderstanding this verse, the Jehovah's Witnesses claim Jesus is God's first ever creation. They have it incorrect. He is the Creator. The Holy Spirit testified like this in Colossians. One fifteen and sixteen through the Apostle Paul. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Was it like that when God created man in Genesis? Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Us, our is mentioned. God has three Godhead: God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. According to First John chapter five verse seven, for there are three that bear a record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Some people say that this word does not exist in the original text, but the Word of God clearly states this Trinity. Even if Satan takes away the word, we can see that the Word of God speaks in many places that the three are one. Our Jesus Christ is our Creator. The Creator came in the form of a human being in the form of this very flesh. How can a creator become a creature? How can he become like a creature? If God told any of us sinners to be a dog or cat for thirty-three years, would you, or could you? I'm sure there would be no one. But our Lord, even though He is God, the only begotten Son, obeyed the God the Father in complete obedience to the point of His death. This is meekness. Those who obey the word of God are meek. Revelation three fifteen says, "I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot." This is the end time churches that I am orthodox. Our theology is orthodox. That's what they claim. But in the end. We can see them slowly moving toward the side of the Roman Catholic Church of the old Dark Ages. This is what's known as apostasy, falling away. So in Second Thessalonians two three, the Holy Spirit warned us through the Apostle Paul, "Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed." 
the son of perdition. This day speaks of Jesus Christ making an aerial descent and taking the regenerated saints of God, the church, out of this earth. But before that day comes, two events must occur. First is apostasy. It is a departure falling away from the word of God. The Roman Catholics was the first to fall away from the word of God. Later on, they went underground and began to alter the Bible. We all, know, we all need to know this very clearly. Sooner or later, the man of sin, the Antichrist, will appear. Therefore, the Bible clearly states that the rapture will take place just before that time. How precious are these times? Will you be saying, peace and safety, I'm safe, when you don't know when the Lord will come? Be cold or hot. Some people say if they passionately believe in God, they will call that person a fanatic, an extremist. In fact, God is an extremist. God asks, up or down, above or below, in the other words, heaven or hell, is it black or white? Are you saved or not? It's one or the other. No gray. There's, never in, there's no middle ground. Also, there's no such thing as purgatory. Once again, God is extreme. He is an extremist. God hates sin, but loves sinners. That's why he said, get remission of your sins. That is why he said, it is a sin to not believe in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again for that sin. There's no option for those who do not believe. Not believing in Jesus Christ is an irreparable sin. Whatever adultery, lies, and theft we commit, we just need to repent. But not believing in Jesus Christ is blasphemy. And this is a sin that cannot be forgiven. Revelation 3.16 So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You ever drink a lukewarm water and it's really stagnant to the taste? Especially when you're really hot? But how sweet and refreshing is it when we drink it really cold, ice cold? Revelation 3.17 Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not, Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. In other words, the Laodicean church wears out God. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came into this world. As John said, look at this lamb. But he died. He took on all the sins of the world. He went down to hell, where, he, where we should end up in. And he threw all the sins away. As the east is far from the west, he distanced us from all our sins. This is all found in Psalm 103. But what are you doing? Shouldn't even one more person be saved? Jesus said, I died for everyone. What are you doing? You only worship within the church and hold events. 
and have fellowship, but how much are you really preaching the gospel? How many souls do the churches open their doors to and go out and preach? Preach the gospel to bring these people into salvation. Our Lord became a man and took all the sins of the world upon his own body to save everyone. And he sent the Holy Spirit to establish a church. This church is established on this earth to quickly convey the work of the Lord and lead all people to the Lord. That is why this church is a rescue ship. However, if you do other things and do not preach the gospel, you're really tiring the Lord's heart. The church of Laodicea is symbolized by tremendous material blessings. How many vehicles does the church have? Do you own assets? Also, how much money do you have in your bank account? How many donations come in a week? And how many, or how much is the mission offering that's been sent? It's such a generation to talk about these things. Now, of course, it's not a bad thing to have. The funding to poor missionaries and so forth, it's not a bad thing. However, shouldn't the church lead more souls to the Lord than he has given? Small churches have to do as much as they are given, and large churches have to do as much as they are given. A large plagic fishing vessel has to catch a lot of fish, and a small fishing boat catches a little amount. However, I know that the Lord will be pleased when we do our best as much as the Lord has given us. Here again in verse 17 says, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But God says, they are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Materially wealthy, but spiritually lacking. Moving on, Revelation 3.18 I counsel thee to buy me of gold tried in the fire, and that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Let us hear the counsel of Apostle Peter in this regard in 1 Peter 1, 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The Apostle John also said the same, that faith overcomes the world. It is this faith that God valued most. What is faith? What is faith in God? It is the substance of things hoped for, because heaven is real hope. It is real. Nothing in this world can destroy this faith. The underground church members have nothing. They have no church buildings. There are nothing. There are no church vehicles. They have neither material nor honor. If they have anything, they have gained much more precious faith than perishable gold, even though they have been tried through persecutions, trials of faith, and fire. In the age, today's age of Laodicea, what we need most is faith. Amen. The measure of this blessing is not material, 
It's not based on materials, but how much faith you have. So among the philosophers of the old days, there were people who transcended the world, much less if those who have received the eternal life of God that transcends philosophy live on this earth and are not sure of their hope for heaven, they will have no choice but to be shaken easily in this world, unable to overcome troubles. It's not about material things that gives them peace and comfort. It's about believing that God's faith is through the word of God. And if you were to tell and believe that the mountain to be thrown into the sea, it will come true. This faith is the utmost important. The message here is, this is the age that lack faith. Again, here in the scripture, we see the white raiment, white gown, a robe. Buy and wear the white raiment so that the shame of your nakedness is not exposed. He is speaking about spiritual things. In Revelation 3.18, Revelation 16.15, and chapter 19, this white raiment speaks of the saints' righteous deeds, their hard work for the Lord, their own righteousness. After Christians have confessed their sins and have, have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, they must put on the clothes with good deeds. This will be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ will be taken up at the time of the rapture by the saved children of God, the church, and will all stand individually before Jesus Christ. At this judgment seat of Christ, where we are judged according to our works, you will be rewarded and you will be rebuked. Those who built with gold, silver, or precious stones receive a reward because those things do not burn. But all those who built with straw, wood, or stubbles will be burned. Nothing will remain. This is what, that is why this judgment seat of Christ is the rewarding place. However, the great white throne judgment seat that appears after the millennial kingdom will be the judgment of eternal destruction where the unsaved and those already in hell will fall into the lake of fire and be separated from God forever. To these Laodicean saints, God tells them to open their spiritual eyes. Now in the Bible, blind uh, Bartimaeus, he was physically actually blind. He asked the Lord to open his eyes. Then when the Lord opened his eyes, he followed the Lord. At that time, however, the disciples did not know who the Lord was because their physical eyes were opened, but their spiritual eyes were closed. Same goes for today. Are my eyes really open spiritually? Am I not seeing the Lord like the blind Bartimaeus? He cried out to the Lord, Have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on me. I want to be born again. I want to see the kingdom of God. What did our Lord say? He said that unless you are born again of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must enter this kingdom of God. We must have this cry like Bartimaeus. 
we need to call on the Lord. Revelation 3, 19 and 20 As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. At the end of the church age, the Lord is outside the door. Have you put the Lord outside? Because he is standing outside the door, if anyone hears his voice and opens the door for him, the Lord will come in and eat and drink and have fellowship with him. Long ago, Abraham received the Lord. Look at Genesis 18:19, when the Lord appeared in human form with two angels. Then Abraham welcomed him and treated him. The Lord treated him like a friend, and he ate and drank. In this day and age, even though when we worship at church, we seem to be together with the Lord, but the moment we step outside the church, the Lord is left outside the door. You should look into whether this is not the case and repent. And finally, Revelation 3.21 and 22, um, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. If you come to your senses now and receive the Lord, you will be entitled to sit on the throne with the Lord when he comes real soon. And together, he gives you the right to judge the world. This is the word of God. These are his words. He has raised us up with Christ and has seated us together on the throne of Christ. Now, when you meet the Lord, you must live a life of praise. Today's text is the conclusion of the messages to the seven churches. Historically, it refers to the seven churches in Asia Minor at the time of Apostle John in 90 AD. Spiritually, however, it refer, uh, refers to the history of the church age from the book of Acts to the rapture of the church. History repeats itself. And finally, we are in the lukewarm age, the lukewarm church age of Laodicea. The time has come to rise up from the dead and speak the light. When we pray together during this time, I hope that you will repent before the Lord and speak light once again. Let us pray, Father God. Thank you for bringing me to my senses again through these words. I repent for having the Lord standing outside the door at this time. Please forgive me for not letting you in because of my sin and my wrong conduct. Please come in now. Wash me with your blood. And eat and drink with me and walk with me. When I am with you, I have joy and can live by faith. Lord, help me and guide me. Thank you, and I pray in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.